When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, I'm Jimmy Bullard and this is me old Mac of Venus. We're back together, son. How are you? Hi, right, Bully. Great to be back working with you. What are we doing here, though? We're starting a football club in podcast form. The only thing we know, it's called FC Bullard. After that, it's all up for grabs. So, we haven't got any players, we haven't got a kit, we haven't got a club badge, we haven't got a stadium. Correct. FC Bullard. Welcome to the club. This is a crowd podcast. This episode is sponsored by Captain Morgan John. To be more like Morgan, go to patreon.com forward slash Joe Show, become an official sponsor, get bonus content and grow the show today. His back is strong, his beard is thick. Wonders what makes people tick. Joe Marler and his show. Joe Marla, here we go. Hello, and welcome to our show. I am Joe Marla, and this... Well, sorry about the pause, Tom. Are you, e- are you eating... <laughs> it's really quite disrespectful, isn't it? You are, it is disrespectful, because you are literally eating a Valencia ice lolly while doing the introduction to your own podcast. And I'm going to stop talking, because you've now got to talk with a mouthful of Valencia. <laughs> I'm really sorry. It's fucking... I'm I'm not saying sorry to you, Tom. I'm saying sorry to whoever's still listening to this. Um, hello, I'm Joe, and this is Tom Fordyce. And I haven't got a Valencia ice lolly in my mouth anymore. I've consumed my fourth one, and it is gone. And I'll wait until after the record to consume my next four. <laughs> I'll be a little bit nervous about this uh, episode today, Tom. It's different for us, isn't it? I just think it, I'm really out of my depth. I, I back you because... <laughs> You know what you're doing, and um, you're like a grown adult, like a grown person that knows shit about the world. And I think in the past, I've actually mentioned to you like some sort of political questions. I've, I've, I've posed to you political questions, and you've hit me like with legit answers, or at least a legit sounding answers. Like when I asked you what Suelva, fucking hell, that like, ice has really taken its toll on my tongue. Suelva. What's this Suella Braverman woman about? Because people are kicking off about her and I just don't understand enough about politics to understand why they don't like her or why she's being portrayed as a twat. What's the the beef? (laughs) Why is she such a twat? Well, if you're referring to the current Home Secretary um, in the Conservative administration, Joe, I think my main issue with her is that she's a child of uh, immigrants herself, Joe. Um, Both her parents are of Indian origin. They emigrated to Britain in the 1960s, and yet her policies in power seem designed solely to harm people exactly like her parents who are attempting for legal reasons to emigrate to enrich the United Kingdom in 2023. Oh, why? Why is she doing that then? It's a question probably, Joe, more for Suella than it is for me, but I'm delighted because this is an episode about politicians and we will be speaking to a politician. I'm glad that your political interest has perked up a little bit. Listen, Joe, between you and me, we know that we were offered 
quite a big name from politics to come on the show. We said no because, there's no other way of putting this, because the wanker quotient was quite high. I just don't want to get sued. I know I come out with some real shit sometimes, but I'm really concerned that if I follow through with what I'm about to say, if someone got wind of it, we would be sued for defamation of character. (laughs) So, yes, we were offered someone, naming no names, but it rhymes with fat Bancock. (laughs) But, um... (laughs) Who could it be? Well, Joe, we decided not to go for Mr Fat Bangkok. We decided to go for Jess Phillips, who is the Labour MP for Birmingham Yardley, quality guest. Before we get Jess on, Joe, a little bit of a merchandise plug. It's big news, to be honest. We've got brand new hoodies and Joe Marla Show snapbacks available in the online store. (gasps) The link is in the episode description. Yes, snapbacks are a back. Could you sing it to the style of Gwen Stefani, Hollaback Girl, please? We got some snap it back, boy. We got some snap it back, boy. Ain't no Hollaback Girl. We got some snapbacks, girl. We got some snaps back. Girl. We got fucking. We got snapbacks now. We got snapback hats, girl. Fucking hell. I don't know how to do it. Let's get a guest on. Oh, go on then. Our guest today is Jess Phillips, and she is a politician. Welcome, Jess. Hello, it's lovely to be here. Thanks for having me. Tom, um, you've done it again, mate. You've been really rude and not fucking said hello to our guest. Well, I know we're recording remotely on this occasion. So rude. But it is rude, mate. I, and Jess, from what I know of her already, <laughs> is the sort of politician I do not want to get on the wrong side of. I'm sorry. I thought Joe was going to ask a question, Jess, to be honest. But what I will say is it's nice to have you on the pod because we've been trying to get you on the pod for a while. And you were always our first choice when we wanted to get a politician on. So I'm glad you're here. Ah, thanks. Right, so this this episode is about politicians. So I had to do a bit of research, obviously, and my research is usually extensive, as Tom will vouch for. Um, I went on Wikipedia (laughs) and asked for the definition of a politician. And I'll be honest, it wasn't much fucking help. It says, a person who is professionally involved in politics. (laughs) I'm like... That's given me nothing. So I'd actually like to ask you, Jess, what your definition is. No, that's not true. That's not right. Well, I think that where Wikipedia has gone wrong there, and don't get me wrong, I rely on Wikipedia a lot. During the Brexit debates, I would, every single time before I went to anything, I would Wikipedia, what's the difference between the customs union and the single market? So, like, you know, we're all relying on it to make sure that we're on the right track. But I would say elected is quite important to be a politician. Now, that's a very Western view that I've got there. Uh, a very, uh, you know, I suppose, democratic. In, in, in a liberal democracy like the one we live in, uh, you, I, I'd say to be a politician, you do have to be elected. But it, it's not just somebody who works in politics. There's thousands of people who work in politics. And they're not politicians, I don't think. I think you have to be elected uh, by the people. But then, of course, you know, you've got you've got your unelected, you know. Kim Jong-il slash Oon, never elected. What elect. do you mean, unelected? Well, there's loads of politicians that are unelected around the world. And there are yeah, some... Yeah, but not... OK, yeah, OK. But no, 
in and this you, country. You'd be like, oh, not in this country, no. You don't have unelected politicians in this country. Oh. But around the world, you've got a whole swathe of unelected politicians. I mean, and you've got some that are elected in inverted commas. Like, your, your Putin election, I, I, I'm going to say... Not cracking. Rwanda, I think the fella in Rwanda won the election with 97%. I'm going to say... Very popular man, is he? (laughs) Just, he is with Suella Braverman. (laughs) I I am going to say that if you're winning by much more than, you know, you're 60-70%, you are still a politician... I'm just not sure that you're a morally justified one. Right. My first question then, Jess, is why you became a politician? Because we could throw various variables at you here. Nice ones mm-hmm. like you want to make a difference. Uh, less of nice course. ones like lust for power. Um, yeah. So what mm-hmm. was it for you? Both true. Both true. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I don't think that there's <laughs> anything wrong with wanting power. I think everybody should want more power than they've got. I certainly wanted more power, um, obviously, to do the world changing you can't do anything without power and pretending otherwise is, well, it's folly. So, yeah, I wanted power. Uh, I wanted to change the world for the better. I thought I'd be good at it. It was better than the job I had. Like, that. those are the reasons. Out of interest, what was the job you had? Uh, I worked in a women's refuge. Uh, so I ran services for victims of domestic and sexual violence. Uh, and I saw how government policy was utterly woeful in that space and thought I'll be better at it than them I'm gonna go and do it and that's something you champion quite hard now don't you yeah 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 so that's the whole reason for going there really was to make policy for you know victims of violence better because I watched it just being done so badly and I got annoyed a bit like you know you know when people shout at the telly when they watch politics I just went to the like next level and was like (laughs) oh I'll be one of the people people shout at instead. <laughs> Do you reckon, Jess, so you became an MP in 2015, is that right? Yep. Okay, so uh, my little brother is a social worker and has been for some time, and one of the things, mm-hmm. many things he's told me about being a social worker is that you can't be a social worker and think you're going to change the world because there is too much of the world to change. So how is it for you as someone who sounds like they went into politics for idealistic reasons? Now you are eight years into your parliamentary Mm -hmm. career how do you feel about it now uh i feel like you can change the world uh quicker on the ground if you're a social worker uh in an immediate sense i mean if you're a good one i'm assuming your brother is a good one actually it doesn't matter how good your brother is this is the difference your brother can make uh, a difference in somebody's life immediately on a day but with decisions that he makes however he doesn't make those decisions in a vacuum he makes them as part of a system and whilst your brother might be a brilliant social worker i've got to, i've got to say social work in our country is systematically been failed to the point that it fails he can't make a difference without me and i can't make a difference without him so that's what socialism is I knew doing this episode, Tom, that um, you would have to lead quite heavy on this because my <laughs> knowledge of politics is uh, I know fuck really all about fucking sport bad. Of any kind, <laughs> I knew you'd have to do this. Like my layman um, stereotype knowledge of politicians and politics, yeah, is mm. um, when you all get in that funny house and there's like loads yeah. of benches. And it's like yeah. old as fuck. And there's like six or seven people in these weird gowns. And then this massive like mm. staff, like the, the what's this massive stick that's in there sometimes? It's a, it's a big stick, then, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
it's a big stick. And then the rest of you, you're Mace. all in like suits, dresses, or whatever you're like. Smart I mean, I'm, I, I, I'm literally. I mean, I, I wear trainers regularly. If that makes you feel better, it does actually make me feel better because okay. <laughs> I was going to ask about dress code. Is there an actual dress code in the there is. houses? Is it houses? House of Commons, Tom? Help me on this one. I'm not in. Jail. Well, House of Commons is. House of Commons is is part of the Houses of Parliament, which is made up of the House of Lords and the House of Commons. I don't know. I can't speak for the Lords. They wear like ermine and robes, but not on a normal day. Yeah, in the House of Commons, there is a dress code. Just nobody sticks to it. And by nobody, I mean women. The dress code is so much more obvious for men uh, because it is you have to wear a suit and tie, basically. Uh, we tried to change uh. the rules for a spell where men didn't have to wear ties. And a very stupid member of Parliament stood up and made a speech and said, I will not take an intervention in a speech from anybody not wearing a tie, to which I stood up and intervened on him and said, well, you just did. Uh, because he forgot that women were allowed <laughs> to be elected. Um, that's my attitude to that. So then they recently tried to make it so that we had to dress more smartly as women, like no open-toe sandals. No, you can't like, expect you may- to get away with an open-toed sandal. Jess, do me a favour. <laughs> it's hot sometimes and it's hotter in London than it is in Birmingham and sometimes I'm going to wear an open-toe sandal. But if you go in the back door, if I was on the front bench, I would never wear trainers because the speaker would point it out and probably like have a quick word with me. Uh, however, on the back benches, if I'm sitting on the back benches, just going through one of the back doors, no one's checking. It's not like there are doorkeepers, a bit like in a nightclub, but they're not there to tell you off if you've got like a big bag or you're showing too much shoulder. So you can. I once had to apologise because I just walked into the chamber and I just had a t-shirt on. What was the t-shirt? <laughs> no, I mean I had but I had bottoms on. I don't want you to think I didn't have bottoms on. I did have bottoms. Well, on. now that I'm, I'm glad you really cleared that up because there was that. Image and I would have actually really enjoyed that just seeing everyone else's faces. Like, what the fuck has Jess come as today? Uh, I just it was just a white t shirt because it was a hot day and I hadn't intended to go into the chamber, I was just going to be in my office and which is near Westminster. But somebody had said something that really annoyed me and I had to put the record straight. So I ran into the chamber and just was like to go and put the record straight. But I, I apologised because my attire was not appropriate because I was basically like wearing jogging bottoms and a T-shirt because I was just in my office like doing work and it was a hot day. And London is so hot and horrible when it's hot. It's horrible in Westminster when it's hot. Well, in fact, I've got a series of questions about that, Jess, because I have heard the Houses of Parliament, most rooms are either freezing or baking. Yeah, that's the two options. In the summer, it's obscenely warm. uh, And in the winter, it's ridiculously cold. Apart from the chamber, the actual bit you see on the telly, that's always all right. That's like temperate at all times. Like that's the only place that is like reasonable. Uh, but everywhere else, and bear in mind, it's like a building that has thousands of people working in. It's huge. Everywhere else is inclement. When you first arrive, how easy is it to get lost? Oh, I mean, I get lost still today. There's a place that's called the Star Chamber Corridor, and to this day, I've never found it. <laughs> uh, I've no idea where it is. Uh, and sometimes people ask me to have a meeting there, and every single time, I have to have one of the doorkeepers take me there because I haven't got a clue how to get there. I get lost all the time, all the time still. And you know, a bit like you'll have your route that you go every day. Like when you go and visit your nan, 
when you're a kid and then that's the way to that bit of town it doesn't matter like you'll always go via your nans in that bit of town like that's the way you go that's a bit like that in parliament like i know the routes that i know and i just stick to them there's probably millions of routes i don't know it's like a labyrinth it's like something from a novel i've joe i've got two more um questions about the house of parliament if that's all right the first one jess can you tell us about the bars? Because every time I hear about the bars, in my head, I'm not sure how to picture the bars in the House of Parliament. I think I've got a, an idea of like a rustic country boozer, but the prices are fixed in sort of like 1997. <laughs> 1977. Oh. Um, so the, the bars, the main bar that people go to is a place called the Strangers Bar, which is like the smallest pub in the world that you've ever been in, right? Literally the smallest, like it's tiny. It's basically, you know, like in a pub, they have like the smoke... In the olden days, you'd have like the saloon and the like smoking room. It's like the smoking yeah. bar. Like it's little, the little bar at the front. It's little and it has just one end of it is a bar that no more than two staff members could fit behind at any one time. So it's usually just one. And that is like, there's hundreds of people in there. But it goes out onto... it. It's basically just like the vestibule area to the, the terrace area over the Thames. So it goes out into this huge terrace area, so everybody just spills outside, really. So that's the main bar. And it does look... It's, like, got wood panelling. It's got a telly, which either has on what's on in the House of Commons or the football. Those are the two options. I Hang on. I, I, I can't get my head around this. There's there's more than one bar in the Houses of Parliament. There's about eight there's, there's in the House of Parliament. There's probably about twenty. What the, what the fuck for? Because it's, uh, it's like a cruise ship. Is it hairdressers? <laughs> what? Is it hairdressers? Casino. What do you mean? And why have you said it as if like? Of course, there's a hairdressers in there. Because it's like a, a cruise ship. Like you can't get off. So you have to like. There has to be like available things for your life there. Like I'm not at work. Is there a piano bar? Yeah, almost certainly, but not like one that you would think was. <laughs> there's definitely loads of pianos. They're probably like owned by the Queen or the King now. <laughs> the King has a bedroom in there. What? As well, like you can go and visit their bedroom. It's their palace. It belongs what to the, the King. Fuck? <laughs> no, hang on a minute. What is this fucking place? This doesn't make sense. It's in the. It's. It's a palace. <laughs> It's in the centre of fucking London. There is thousands and thousands of bars and pubs and hairdressers and barbers in London. Why the fuck do you need more in a building where you're meant to be talking about politics? Right, for a start off, there's hairdressers that you're talking about. Like, And actually, there isn't one that close. I've tried to get me nails done. And I've tried to have it instigated that we'll have a nail salon in Parliament and nobody's listening to my call. I'll, I will win this battle. Because I have to... Like, a vote could come at any time until like midnight like my working hours are not nine to five it's not like i can nip out to go and have my hair cut i might be in the commons for 15 hours in a day and i can't leave because of the vote i have to be there so so within eight minutes i can vote and it goes on till midnight what's the food like so the food is eclectic the the canteen area is somebody who knows better than me. Uh, in fact, it was Churchill's grandson uh, who said this to me. Is that Nicholas Soames? That it's like the... F yeah, Nicholas Soames, when he was there. Uh, he said... To I was about to say, God rest him, but he's not dead. He's just not in Parliament <laughs> anymore. He, he's a lovely man. But he, he said to me, it's like the food at Eton. It's like school dinners from Eton. 
So you get like quite a lot of traditional f- food. I, d- I love that image, that thought of you guys are just walking around this small canteen with like the, the, the trays that have already got the shapes in. You know, like you've got the circle for pudding and then the, like the main, and then they all sit down and there's different like... Do you have any lunch with any of the other parties? Yeah, I mean, I was having lunch with Nicholas Soames at the time. Or is it is it segregated? No, 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 it's right. not segregated. You can sit where it is. And you're with the staff as well in the canteen, like the staff in Parliament are there. Uh, there is a bit where only members are allowed to sit, but no, I never ever sit in that area and no members do, it's always empty. We just sit on look, big long bench tables and you have like a tray, like in a canteen and you go around and there's like, I don't know, shepherd's pie and spotted dick because it's traditional. But then there are other restaurants. Uh, there's one that uh, is called the members dining area and that's like on on the days when we're there late voting so that we can eat dinner uh, and it's right next to the chamber where you have to vote and they put on this thing that is like a salad bar thing like buffet as well as like a carvery every night but the but the salad buffet honestly I sometimes think that the chefs in parliament must be like on something because it's like it's not I mean a it's not salad it's like salmon I'm like that's not salad. Um, that's odd. And it's like, I don't know, like Lancashire cheese and prawn. It's like, why are you putting those things together? What? <laughs> it's like weird. It's like they make weird, weird. I, I think they tried to like, like one of them's been to a fusion food restaurant once. My other question about the House of, of Parliament, Jess, before I let Joe have a go, concerns the seats. Every time I've seen the seats in the debating chamber, because they're polished leather, aren't they? They look really slippery. Have you ever found yourself slipping down? Yeah, yeah. Not just slipping down, right? They're also very badly upholstered in parts. So a bit like, you know, when you were a kid and you had to sit on benches at school and somebody always had to sit on the nobble uh, and you didn't want to be the kid that had to sit on the nobble of the bench. Uh, and it's a bit like that. There are some that are duds, like that are either too high up uh, or that they're sunk. Uh, and so that's a bit rubbish. They do get a bit slippery. I'm often glad they're wiped clean. It's not comfortable and there's not enough for everybody to be in there. So that it, it can seat about 400-odd people, but there's 650 members of parliament. So often you're crammed in. And also when you pray, which you won't know about, like we have to pray before... Well, you don't have to do it. Like I'm not religious, so I don't pray. But before the session of the House of Commons... Every day there are prayers that are held in private and when you pray you face the wall so you have to turn around in the benches and you're looking underneath the benches in front of you because it's in a tier and what you'll see then is just mice running around and the mice traps that you've uh, that have been laid there um, for fuck's sake <laughs> what the fuck just... is this place <laughs> it's a royal palace and a working building sounds like a fucking shithole <laughs> Oh, it's a total shithole in lots of regards. Uh, sometimes, like, the, the it'll just leak in the ceiling or bits of the roof will just fall down and you'll be walking around and you'll get a text message and it says, oh, just be an alert, there is falling masonry at, like, Blackrod's entrance, which basically means, like, a gargoyle is going to kill you if you go and walk down there. It's like, <laughs> in, in my book that I wrote, I described it as being, like, in a real-life Mario. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool, actually. I'd quite like to do that. Just, I want to be an MP just to play real-life Mario. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that, that makes it more fun. Um, my things with this house is... Is it House or Houses of Commons? Am I saying it right? House, house, houses of Parliament, the House of Commons. Houses of Parliament. 
and the House of Commons. All right, I've got some questions on here. Like, what's the, what's with the head bowing? What's the real rules on that? Oh, you said, like, people you, bow in. Do you have to, like, bow mm. before you leave? What if you didn't? Nothing. Nothing happens, really, if you don't. But it's, it's respectful. But the, you know what you're bowing to? You're bowing to the mace. Which is, do you know what that is? Is that the stick? The, the big old stick. The big stick. Your big stick. That's what right. you're bowing to. You're bowing to you're the bowing stick. You're bowing to a stick. Because right. it's part okay. of the crown jewels, right. so you're bowing to the monarch. But he's not in there. He's not allowed in there. Why does he get the bedroom then? That's what confused me about the bedroom. Bedroom's in the Speaker's house, so... Right, OK, so there's... He's allowed in the House of Lords. He's not allowed in the House of Commons. <laughs> Clue in the title. Common. Gotta be common. The other one, just quickly on the House House of Lords, why is it why is it House of Lords and not House of Lords and Dames? Oh, sexism? Yeah, thank you. Just ticking that one off. <laughs> knew, yeah, I kind of yeah. knew the answer, but fuck it. Yeah, em. yeah, yeah. Um, then you've sorted out the dress code one for me. Right, what's the rules over... Uh, I tell you, I'll be honest with you, I fucking love watching every Wednesday... I've got it on series link of Prime Minister's <laughs> questions, like... I'm not lying. I fucking love okay. it. I absolutely okay. love it because it's baffling. It's because it, it baffles my brain so hard. I don't watch it to get an update on what's going on in the world or the next <laughs> policy of actually what's the. It's it's just like it just fascinates me. So one of the yeah. things is when everyone stands up. Like, what's the rules on who asks the questions? Because obviously. Right. Someone, there's always someone at the start. How does it work, basically? Okay, yeah, so it's a lottery. So you enter into a lottery of whether you get... So you you you, you fill in a piece of paper the day after... So Thursday, from Thursday to Monday, you can... Well, actually, immediately after PMQs, from Wednesday, you can fill in a thing to be selected for the next week. And that all goes and it's put into a system. You can do it online as well, but it gets put into a system and names are basically drawn out of a hat. So it's totally random, except that Tulip Sadiq, she she has somehow <laughs> has rigged the algorithm because she gets a question every bloody week. I'm allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> I do not need this podcast getting <laughs> fucking struck off. Uh, well, all, right, all I can this... say is Tulip Sadiq is a good friend of mine and I've said this to her face, so... <laughs> she she seems to get a question all the time. Right, so the algorithm, though, it doesn't select on the basis of party. Oh. So you could get a time where the algorithm, and this happens, there's more of them than there is of us, so this happens quite a lot, so where you get many more Tories. However, in you can't just go Tory question to the Tory Prime Minister, Tory question to the Tory Prime Minister. That's not the... It has to go from one side of the house to the other. Like tennis. So it has to go our side, their side, like tennis. So that has to happen. So the whole time that Keir Starmer asks questions like that, then it has to go to them afterwards and then it all has to come back over to our side. So if not many people have been selected on our side, you can bob and be selected. You stand up and down. So, that, so there is point to people standing up. And then who who's in charge of recognising that? Is it the, the speaker, the person that's the speaker? Yeah. But who and who are the people to, like that hiding around the corner of the chair of the speaker? Are they like helpers? Because I see them like <laughs> pointing occasionally, like oh yeah, speakers help. Like, oh look at that one. No, look, oh yeah. no, no, don't go there because they look really aggressive. Yeah. Go with that one. You have been paying attention. So, so yeah, the Speaker has... Uh, the, uh, they probably have a more official title, but they're assistants to the Speaker. And there's... So one of them is called Jim, <laughs> lovely man. And I, I met Jim's wife, right? 
at Glastonbury. Now, bear in mind, Jim is a man I see at work and he is dressed literally wearing the crown jewels <laughs> in tights and light <laughs> shoes with little buckles on. And then I met his wife at Glastonbury and like was dancing with her. And like the two things were so incongruous to me. I was like, you can't be married to Jim. He wears buckles on his shoes. You're like this free-spirited, amazing woman and you're married to buckle shoes. So I found that quite complicated. <laughs> it's a little bit like mine and mine and Tom's relationship. He's obviously the gym and I'm the I'm the free-flowing Thanks. spirit that just peace and love, man. <laughs> no? Sorry, okay. So that's what they do. They'll be like, they're... Because the chamber's like, you know, you have to... They're the eyes of the speaker who has to also be making sure that he's paying attention to who's speaking at the time. Uh, and so they'll like write notes and pass and say like, but you can, if something really big has happened in your constituency or in the news that you're an expert on, you can have a word with Jim, uh, for example, and the speaker beforehand and just say, if there's any chance that you could call me today, like, like you know, if Grenfell had happened in your constituency, you'd definitely be called or like a big major, uh, like unemployment thing, a factory in your constituency. The speaker would take account of that in the people bobbing. So it's always good to have a chat with them before. Joe, it feels like we need a break for adverts at this point. Would you mind queuing in right. the adverts in the style of the speaker, please? Um, uh, yeah, but I don't know. Is it is it is his name Hillary at the minute? Lindsay. Fuck, I was close, but you got my my thing that it, I stereotypically it was a female name. Yep. Yeah, um, a girl's so name. It's not Hillary. It's Lindsay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's also got a, like um. Lindsay. Uh, I'm trying to be as kind as possible. Is he the one that can't say his R's properly? He's, he does have a little bit of a thing. He can't. Does he? I don't know. Uh, I think he's just northern. Yeah, there's something. <laughs> Brilliant. You've male painted me out to be a northern hater. <laughs> no, I used to... I didn't like him, I did, but I liked the way he said it, but I think it was Burko or Burkow. Burko, yeah. It was his... Yeah. The way he did it, it would be... Oh, da, oh, da, oh, da, oh, da. It would almost not even fucking say the word order. It's just... Oh, da, oh, hey, da. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, da, in the house. Oh, da. Oh, you will be sent <laughs> Uh Order. We will. Uh, uh, adverts. Now. Adverts. Adverts. Fuck off. Um, that's as best I can do, Tom. I'm sorry. Shrink the Box is back for a brand new season. This is the podcast where we put our favourite fictional TV characters into therapy. Join me, Ben Bailey-Smith, and our brand new psychotherapist, Namone Metaxas. Hi, Ben. Yes, this season we're going to be putting the likes of Tommy from Peaky Blinders, Cersei from Game of Thrones on the couch to learn why their behaviour creates so much drama. So make sure you press the follow button to get new episodes as soon as they land on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Shrink the Box is a Sony Music Entertainment original podcast. Jess, can you say whatever you want? Like, is there some sort yeah. of ruling? I, I know there's occasions where the speaker gets them to apologise. Yeah, you're not allowed to call people a liar. You're not allowed to use people's names. You're meant to refer to the House of Lords as the other place. I never bother. I just say the Lords. Mm, can't be asked. You're not allowed to say you. Well, you are allowed to say you. 
But when you say you, you mean the speaker. So if I say to Rishi Sunak, you don't know what you're talking about, then I'm being rude to the speaker because actually I'm speaking to the speaker. So I have to say the prime minister doesn't know what he's talking about. So there's all sorts of rules about the way you're meant to refer to people, but I don't bother with any of them. Like if somebody's a lawyer, you're meant to call it's them. There's always this fucking right honourable gentleman or yeah. right honourable member of thingy. Right. And I'm like, why is everyone sat on the right? Why is there no one going, the left honourable lady from <laughs> fucking uh, so, Bermondsey? I, I, I'm not right honourable. You can only be right honourable if you're in the House of Commons. I'm just on, if you're in um, the Privy Council, I'm just honourable. So most, most members of Parliament are just honourable, not right honourable. But if somebody's a lawyer before they're a member of Parliament or whilst, as turns out is the case, they're meant to be the learned member. If you've been in the army, it's meant to be gallant. Mm. But do you know what that says to... What if you were a coward in the army? <laughs> well, you're still gallant. But what if you like had a woman's job? <laughs> we don't say my caring friend for somebody who was a nurse or worked in a women's refuge... It's very boyish, so I don't do any of that. I don't remember people's constituency names either, so I just say the honourable member. And sometimes you've got to be like, oh, honourable, and roll your eyes while you're doing it. That's a nice touch. And my last bit about this House of Common that it sounds like a complete shithole when you turn and face the wall and look at all the mice <laughs> when you're praying. Um, and basically the prayer should be, fuck, we need to sort out all the mice problem in here. They're chewing fuck out the seats. Yeah, yeah. Does anything actually get done in there or is it all completely for show? Is it just a big one-upmanship or like nothing? It is Surely it's just for show because... No, no, nothing happens in the Chamber of the House of Commons. Nothing gets changed in the Chamber of the House of Commons apart from pressure being put for things to be changed later. Uh, that can happen. You can land a blow that says, oh, God, look, and get the public behind you. The House of Commons Chamber is for the public... Everything else changes in meetings, in rooms that you... I mean, some of it you can watch, like select committees and things. That's much better. But most of what actually changes happens in the meetings that happen around Parliament, not in the actual... Nobody ever went into a debate and didn't already know the result. What? It's pointless. Fuck me dead. And Joe, isn't that blowing your mind? Well, just with the greatest respect, that I think that's sums up why I think a lot of people don't trust politicians. No, 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 totally. I mean, it's uh, it's uh, it, the bit of the... I mean, look, I think it's important to have things debated in public. That is important so that, like, people can hear the for and against and the arguments can be put. However, when you're in a debate about how something's going to change, like, I know what the result of the vote's going to be. We never win the votes. They've got a majority. It was slightly uh, better in the hung parliament because it could could go either way. Um, but, like, nobody ever changed their mind while sitting in the debate, apart from very occasionally on issues um, like what we call conscience issues. So your, your, your abortion, your euthanasia, your religious freedom sort of thing. Like, that. that is... An actual because that's not on party political lines like th that's there to actually be debated and I you know I've changed my mind in those debates or certainly heard things that might change my mind in the future in those debates but otherwise now it's just people standing up saying the thing that was inevitable and then the next person saying the same. I feel just like um, we've got to know you a little bit now so um, I'll cut to the chase we were going to do a section called who's the biggest wanker. <laughs> Um, oh, that's easy. It was good. It, oh, really? Yeah. Um, I was gonna. 
ask if it is someone whose name rhymes with T's smog or <laughs> someone whose name rhymes with Saab. But um, I'm oh, finished. Oh, yeah, I'd forgotten him. He's the biggest wanker. <laughs> is he? Yeah, he's horrible. Is he horrible or is he... Or... No, he's actually horrible. He's actually horrible. The worst person in politics, in my view, in the last like decade is Boris Johnson, without a shadow of a doubt, although Listress really gave him a run for his money. Um, <laughs> and, you know, every time I see Quasi Quarteng, I like to shout out the, the appreciating uh, amount of money that he's cost me on my mortgage. You know, I'm not keen on any of them. If I'm honest, however, both Liz Truss, Boris, but are you not it, Boris? It's not. I'm not even just not keen on them politically. Liz Truss and Quasi Quarteng, you could sit down and have a drink with them. Liz is a bit weird. I'll be honest. I, I don't want to hang out with her that much. But you know, she's not horrible. And Boris Johnson will be perfectly nice and friendly to you. Like you know, he's not horrible. He'd be nice. He'd be kind to you. In fact, he's just a bit nervous around me. He just like kicks his feet like a teenager, right? So like they're not nasty people. They just do nasty things because they've been you know I don't know raised badly. But Dominic Rob is actually horrible. He's like a horrible person. Joe looks a bit shocked here. I'm trying to get my head round whether you're being overly harsh or biased because they're conservatives like if they were Labour no 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 I, I, you know there's lots of people in the Labour Party I've not liked over the years uh, the truth is, is there's loads of Tories that I like I mean I started with a very polite story about how I really like uh, Nicholas Soames he's a lovely man um, and he's a Tory I mean literally Churchill's grandson uh, I mean with the duck house yeah yeah I mean my granddad was a postman his granddad was Churchill it's a wonder we can get on however we did get on marvellously well uh, so it's got absolutely nothing to do with uh, their political lives and like like I say you know like I would happily sit and eat dinner with the vast majority of even the people I said were the worst people in politics because it's my job and like, everybody hates someone at work did you like all of your teammates you think oh god like he's a twat like everybody's got like an Alan from accounting who they think is a knob but you still have to sit with him at the Christmas dinner like that's my relationship with them that's like it's a professional relationship I'm very, very friendly with lots of Tories. The thing is, Jess, with Joe, it's sort of the other way around. He's the answer to that question when it's asked. <laughs> oh, no. It was you. Well, if, it, if you can't identify someone, it's definitely you. Uh, yeah. Couldn't, you just could not fucking help yourself with that, Tom, <laughs> could you? It was, I made, it was a small comment earlier about me being the airy fairy one and you the guy that wears buckles. As if that's really cut you deep <laughs> enough for you to turn around and call me a complete and utter cunt like Jacob Rees-Mogg. <laughs> He's really polite in real life. He's really nice. Is he? Yeah. In real life, yeah. He's nice. I mean, he's not nice in the way that he thinks. Is he? What do you mean in real life? Why is why is he not why is he not in real life? Uh, like when I see him, then, oh, he, like, is. What, he is. He is. He is. What you keep saying yeah, in real life? What do you mean? Because Boris in... Johnson isn't the same way you see him. Not at all. He's shy and frightened, like a little boy. So he's not he's not an absolute twat. Oh, no, he is. I see him as an absolute twat. Okay, okay. But do you think he's like confident and funny and effervescent? Uh, he's not. He's none of those things. I bet you scare the shit out of him, Jess, because he can't talk to women. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe that's the case. Dominic Raab is the same, like sort of sweaty and looks uncomfortable. <laughs> but like, I tell you, who's really lovely to have a chat with? Pretty Patel. Do you know you've? I, I thought you might say that, and I thought no, you're not going to say that. Honestly, if you get in a lift with her, because her we're in the we're in the same block, our offices, always a pleasant chat. This episode is sponsored by the following marvellous people. The Batman, Joshua Batterton. 
like Nicky Butterworth wouldn't melt. Simply the best, Mark Bestley. The joystick, Ben Joyce. She sells seashells, John Sheldrake. And here's to you, Tom Robinson. Magnificent Maggie Vidovich. Take that, James Barlow. You can call me Al. Alan, Kyle Crapper, Jack Travis, and John Dickinson. The lawbreaker, Alistair Blacklaws. Duke Rupert Ellingham. And cool Kevin Wyatt. To be more like all of them, go to patreon.com forward slash Joe Show, become an official sponsor, get bonus content, and grow the show today. Sabella Braverman, I wouldn't... Now, she's what? She's Is she the one that, like, is horrible about immigration uh, policies and shit like she, this? She's horrible at about everything, including tofu, which <laughs> seems like a weird thing to be upset about. What's her problem with tofu? I don't know, because she's a vegetarian as well. I bet she eats loads of tofu. Of course she does. I mean, I'm speaking as a vegetarian who eats tofu. I feel like I'm invested in it. Yeah. What about... Hang on. What about um, Matt Hancock, then, and then him going into the jungle? I'd like a, a political opinion on that. Okay, well, I think you shouldn't have done it. I was, I mean, I get asked to do things like that all the time and I'm like, well, I can't because I've got to go to work. He shouldn't have done that. But what I'm going to say about Matt Hancock, and this is honestly, this is a skill that I've never seen anyone possess as much as Matt Hancock does, is that you, you cannot offend him. Like, it is impossible. That sounds like a challenge. Believe you me, I've tried to rise to the challenge. Like, when he was, he was like a, I don't know, like, he was in the cabinet office or something, he was like a junior minister, and he said that they weren't going to pay people under 25 the uh, minimum wage because they were less productive. Um, <laughs> to which I tweeted that my womb had been more productive at the age of 25 <laughs> than Matt Hancock's ever been in his life. <laughs> And that I had two kids when I was 25 and I still needed to pay the bills, right? And then I got everybody to write in and it was like, it like trended for like three days. It was like, uh, when I was 25, I you know, I was more productive. Basically, slagging off how unproductive Matt Hancock is and loads of 25-year-olds basically being like, you know, I, I, I've done more today than Matt Hancock's achieved in his life. And this went on for days and days I bumped into him the 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 following day uh, uh, in Parliament, and he was like, "Hi, Jess, how are you?" Like I was like, oh, <laughs> "I'm fine." He's like a puppy. It doesn't matter what you do to him. Is he? You cannot offend him, and that's a really protective characteristic in politics. I, I I mean, he doesn't care that you're upset. He went to the jungle. He doesn't care. I once like really really slagged him off in the media, and then. Uh, he he got me tickets for one of my constituents to see Lady Gaga because she wasn't she wasn't what very the well. Fuck. When he was honestly, this is he's, honestly, fucking, he's unflappable. This is fucking mental. He, he's unflappable. Matt Hancock is unflappable. So what well, you know, love him, loathe him, think he was good, bad, ugly. I'm just saying he has got some sort of superpower that the rest of humanity doesn't have. He 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 could be in a comic book. We got, uh, Jess, um, when I said that you were the politician we wanted on, that's true, we got offered Matt Hancock on this show and we had a debate about it. And <laughs> we said no on the basis that we didn't think it'd be very good listening if it was just me and Joe finding different ways of calling him a wanker to his face. Sounds like he would have been fine with it. 
A hundred percent. He would have been, he would have taken it, not just on the chin. I once had to intervene with like anti-vaxxers, including Jeremy Corbyn's brother, like who were like chasing Matt Hancock through the tube station. I was with my son and um, I, I, I literally like, I was like running after them, trying to defend Matt Hancock. I mean, I, I don't, I was just like, leave him alone. Like he's just getting off the train. And I like walked through the train to tell them to piss off. <laughs> And um, he just literally sat there like that with a paper, not bothered. And the next day I saw him and I was like, you're, you're all right, Matt. So that's not very nice. You shouldn't have to put up with that. And he was like, oh, I don't really mind. That's like, <laughs> he would have taken it. We haven't got too much longer and I appreciate you've already given us enough time, but I just want to tick off a couple of others whilst we're still on it. Slightly controversial subjects. The whole, like, second home expenses thing. What the fuck is that? Okay, so... Like, do you, are you, like, allowed a second home when you're a Member of Parliament? Yeah. Yeah, well, depends. Uh, so, yes, is the answer. Uh, and when you say allowed, I, that seems like you, you, other people are not allowed it. Like, lots of people have second homes, just FYI. Well, yeah, just th- like, that's what I was trying to get my head around. Other like, people are allowed Everyone's to allowed a second home, if you can. <laughs> yeah, everyone's allowed it. Yeah, like, are you given a second home? No, you're not given a second home. You're given <laughs> an allowance. Right. You're, and it's not your home. You don't own it. You just, like, you rent a flat in London so that you have somewhere to stay when you're there. So, um, and I, I live there... Monday to Thursday, and then I live at home in Birmingham the rest of the time. So, yeah, they give me an amount of money to spend on a flat uh, while I'm there, or hotel. You can stay, you don't have to have a flat, you can stay in hotels. Lots of people do do that. They don't have flats, they just pay for hotels. But, yeah, that's the case. And then the whole expenses thing, because I always hear about this in, like, newspapers and shit, and, like, Mm -hmm. can you... Are they starting to be like stricter rules on the expenses or can you literally just claim expenses for anything? No, no, no. So the the expenses system that used to exist before I was elected, so I never lived under it, did seem a little bit amorphous, like it seemed like you could claim for a lot of things. But I I mean, I, I don't know. I wasn't there then. So since, I think since 2010... Uh, so five years before I was elected, there's a system that is in charge of our uh, expenses. I can't claim expenses for anything. So people often will say this, Jess Phillips has spent £250,000 on expenses, which is true because that's what it's called. I haven't spent a single penny on myself. What that is, is staff. So I have six or seven, uh, depending on uh, part-time hours and full-time hours, I have seven members of staff that work for my constituents, not for me. They, they're they social workers, essentially. That That's not me. I don't get any money from that. I have a flat in London that um, so that I can stay there when I'm down there. Because if we didn't have that, we'd only be allowed to have rich people living being members of parliament. Because if that wasn't an expense paid for it as part of my work, I wouldn't be able to do it. It just... Uh, people from outside, who live outside London wouldn't be able to be members of Parliament or unless they were super rich and already had two houses. And my travel, I'm, but I have to be travelling for work. Like I'm about to go and travel to do something up north for a women's refuge. That I won't claim. That's not parliamentary work. So I, I, I won't claim that. Like that, that I'll just pay for that myself because I'm trying to do a kind thing by driving from Birmingham to Halifax. Have you ever considered getting to Parliament like, Via Paris. (laughs) (laughs) 
You wouldn't be allowed to do that. So we're, we're <laughs> and then to be like, why stop well, at still, Paris, I, mate? That's the only route I could take. There was traffic. Why stop everywhere. at Paris? I'm going by Sydney. Yeah, no, you can't do that. Yeah, you, there's an agreed route. So it's from my house, which is the agreed starting point, to my place of work. But when I go to work, when I'm in London, I don't. That's not paid for. Like when I get on the tube in the morning to go to work. That, that that's not paid for it's only paid for when I'm going back to Birmingham and when I'm in Birmingham when I drive to work in my office or to my constituency that's not paid for I've got a question Jess before we go so in my old day job as a sports writer I would occasionally in the aftermath of big sporting matches open up my social media and get two or three people on Twitter who disagreed with my take Joe as an England rugby player um, who's been involved in a few incidents has often opened his social media to find a few more complaints so what the fuck is it like being an MP uh, imagine um, getting a notification on your Twitter as the only one I really use myself and Instagram, although that's just people's dinners, isn't it? <laughs> um, I get notifications wise, I will uh, about, I mean, more than 100 a minute every day on a normal day. Mostly I don't see it, but yeah, like if I say anything about anything, Somebody will take offence at it. Tweet a picture of your breakfast. Somebody will make it about Israel-Palestine. It's like, <laughs> just had a nice breakfast. Just wanted to give a shout out to the calf that, that gave me a nice breakfast. Uh, somehow this means that I am an op- oppressor. So I've learned to just take it with a pinch of salt because like, people actually directly engaging me in disagreement on social media. I'm totally there for it. I, I'm absolutely fine with people saying, well, actually... You're you're wrong, and my experience of this thing that you you know as a somebody who uses that system or what actually that would be rubbish if you did that. I totally fine, but uh, you're. I mean, obviously it's very sexist. I get a huge amount of sexist abuse and stuff, but just the fact that like being a human being means like in my normal life, like means that I like if I spend five minutes watching television and then tweet and say I enjoyed this episode this week's episode of The Mandalorian it will be like why aren't you at work (laughs) if I go on holiday now I would never ever let anyone know that I was on holiday ever I would never let any Instagram even my friends like I won't let them put images of me on holiday because people don't don't accept that I'm allowed to have a holiday like that's totally unacceptable that, that, that's just a fact like I know you've said you just you know take it with a pinch of salt or you know you've mm. got a thick enough skin to just crack on with it but does it has it never gotten to a point where you become a bit disheartened with a with a lack of public gratitude for it does get to me for actually a fucking hard job that you <laughs> have to do but because there's so many fucking obvious wankers um, and helmets nah. in the job publicly giving a lot of people a bad name a bad name yeah, that pisses me off, don't get me wrong. Uh, I hate being tarred with a brush of other people, both from my side and the other. Uh, but, you know, that that's life with everybody's profession, isn't it? Like, you know, like we, we all make assumptions that, you know, all journalists are tossers or, like, you know, everybody does it. Like, uh, so that <laughs> I can... That... <laughs> I don't think that, by the way. I work with them all the time. The thing that um, that doesn't get said and doesn't get talked about as much is that I get way more fan mail than I get hate mail. And I get way more love than I get hatred. 
there isn't a massive element of public gratitude for the things that I have done, a massive, massive element. Uh, and so that, and that is lovely and it's heartwarming and I try and respond to it all. And like people send me gifts and like, and like nice, like things and say, oh, you know, I thought you were having a bad day. Like here's a painting I did for you. And like and the kids in my constituency will do, like you get loads of that stuff. It's really nice. There's, there's that, but it does get to me. It does get to me. Like it gets to me. When you're so tired because you've been trying to do something good and all you do is get, like, shit thrown in your face by, like, right-wing bots. Uh, and it's just like, why am I bothering? But you remember you're bothering because kids are still being raped and abused and women are still earning less and, and you know, it's still shitter for the people who live in my constituency than it is for the people who live in Dominic Raab's. Until that's not the case, I'm going to crack on. Jess, I realise we have run out of time. Yeah, um, I've got to and we don't keep you any longer. But that is ultimately really fucking annoying. But we will accept I that. Apologize. Uh, secondly, I'm not going to put too much public pressure on you now, but I'm going to put more pressure on Ryan, the producer, to in future try and arrange a part two because I could sit here and listen to you for fucking hours, and we need more. We need more, Tom. Don't you agree? That's fine. I'll, I'll gladly come back. I'll gladly come back. Yeah, I'd also like a tour of the <laughs> of the mice infested shithole that is the House of Commons. I don't think they'll accept my work boots and shorts attire. You can come in. By all means, you can come in. <laughs> they were oh, guests. You can wear whatever you like, as long as you, it's not you don't wear a political. You can't wear a political slogan. You can't like fuck the Tories. You can't have that. What about if it's under another top? Well, then they're not going to know. <laughs> so it's just like <laughs> you found a workaround. <laughs> <laughs> wear a jumper put a pullover over the top Jess thank you so much for coming on hopefully we can arrange a part two at some time in the future good luck with everything thank you no worries So we have some excellent guests on this podcast and usually when we finish and we say goodbye to them there is a slight amount of sadness in the air because we've enjoyed their company so much but only very rarely do we find ourselves instantly thinking when can we get them back on? I feel it's that case with Jess Phillips. Bang on. Like, I'm I'm absolutely gutted that she had to go off and do good for the world rather than stay on longer and talk shit with us because I was just learning so much. I was, I was just, oh, she was just brilliant. I think we managed to persuade her to come back again so we can get a second episode out of her. Like, but I don't know if that's legally binding. I'll just have to keep peppering her on social media in a polite way, not like all the abuse she mentions, just a nice way, like, oh, please come back because you were fucking brilliant because she was unbelievable. I loved that. Well, Joe, uh, let's see if we can get Jess back on. Let's see if maybe Jess will invite us to the House of Commons. In the meantime, little reminder, brand new merchandise, new Joe Marler Show hoodies, new JMS snapbacks available in the online store. Check the link in the episode description. Joe, a little something cheeky next week. We have a special episode all about the coronation of King Charles III. Fuck off. We've managed to get the king on our podcast. Not exactly, but it is fundamentally an episode about the coronation of Charlie III. So he's not coming on? He's he's getting coronated. Right. He's being kinged up. Please be standing for His Royal Highness, 
King Charles, Prince of Wales. I think he ditches the Prince of Wales thing now because he's king. King Charles, King of Wales, and the other areas of the United Kingdom, except for Ireland, because they don't like him. <laughs> well, Joe, we will find out more next week. See you then. Goodbye. Crowd Network, a place where you belong. Sports Social Podcast Network.